You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forest, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The NFL Draft is now officially open. Draft season is over? Almost. But we're going to squeak another week out of it here on your Draft Season podcast. John Schmelk, Tony Pauline with you. The 2023 NFL Draft is in the books, but we still have to react to it. You'll have this podcast in a couple days coming away on Tuesday. We'll have our full team-by-team draft review. And then we'll have the following week on a Monday, our look ahead to the top seniors primarily heading into the 2024 NFL Draft. And that's going to be old Tony, folks, because he knows these guys. I do not. So I will rely on Tony. Yeah, look nervous, Tony. You should be. So we should we should be ready to go. Uh, just to kind of give a sneak peek, if you want to watch some tape over the summer, Tony will give you some guys you should go put your eyes on heading into the 2024 college football season. Tony, last few days have been a grind, probably a little more so for you than for me, though I'm as tired as can be. Uh, overall thoughts as, as this journey in 2023 is at an end before we start this thing all over again. So a, a few big names fell down the board. I'm sure we'll get into the reasons why, or we'll get into those names at least. A couple of surprise picks, guys that, you know, have come out of nowhere, uh, especially on day three. I think some teams did exceptionally well. I think some teams, uh, you know, were slightly disappointing on paper anyway. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, You know, it's interesting, and maybe it's me, but I haven't seen a lot of trades this year for picks next year, which is what I thought I would see. Because next year's draft looks like it's going to be so much more loaded compared to this year, where it was kind of slimmed down because of so many seniors going back for a second senior season, so many underclassmen staying in school with the NIL deals. I expected to see a lot more teams give away picks this year for better picks in 2024. I did not see that. Yeah, I think the Eagles made one or two of those trades, right? Where they traded picks from next year's draft, I think. But other than that, you're right. There have not been a lot of them. All right. So I kind of came with, you know, Go ahead, Tony. I'm sorry. That's okay. You know, a team like the Eagles, a team like the Chiefs, they have all these picks, but they don't have too much room on their depth chart. So, you know, what happens is, is if they use all the picks, they're not going to be able to fit the guys on their roster. So, in essence, they may be drafting for other teams because other teams will pick up those players and put them on their roster. So the Eagles, I could understand that because the Eagles want to keep moving it down the road so that when they need those selections, you know, they'll be there to fill holes on their roster. Yeah, the Eagles traded, I believe, a uh, third-round pick for next year to select Ringo at the top of the fourth round. So 
Um, just a couple things that went down. All right, so I came up with a list of superlatives. Tony, I will kind of go back and forth here. Uh, favorite day two or three picks here, Tony. If you want to go by, by the way, and listen to our take on the first round, that's the previous episode on this podcast feed, draft season. Go check that out. Uh, I'll go first here, Tony. Favorite day two picks. And I'm look, I think this is low-hanging fruit, but I'll take it anyway. And that's the Lions with Brian Branch. I think for a team that was just trying to get better on defense, they got him. Uh, about, what, 10 picks into round number two. Uh, I thought he's a ready walk-in starting safety slash slot corner. I think he's a really good football player. And to grab him off the board at pick number 45, I thought was a really nice move uh, by Detroit that'll really help their defense, which, you know, wasn't the best last year. So I thought that was an excellent day two value for, for the Lions. I agree. And he was one of the names that I had there. I've got a bunch of names. I see Cedric Tillman in the third round, I, I believe for the Browns was exceptional value. I mean, he is an outstanding pass catcher. He plays the position like a linebacker, very reliable hands, solid route runner, not a downfield threat, but a guy who just has a great feel for what's happening on the field. As I always say, if you ever watch Cedric Tillman, don't just watch his catches. Watch what happens when he's away from the ball because he will attack opponents. He, right off the line of scrimmage, he attacks and looks to uh, intimidate defensive backs. I thought the Giants, I, I think they were probably doing somersaults in the war room when John Michael Schmitz was there in the second round and they were able to select him because I think he was somebody that they were considering in round one. They have a big hole at center. Of all the centers in this year's draft, John Michael Schmitz is probably the most NFL ready. He's the most. He's the guy that's going to start the quickest. He's a Giants type of center. He's smart. He's tough. He's strong. He's relatively athletic. I thought that was a great pick. And Tony, and by the way, cartwheels in round three too when they just traded up and they managed to get Jalen Hyatt in round three to fit their speed wide receiver need. They had to move their fourth round pick to do it. But I think to get a guy like Hyatt, who most people had, you know, top around two, some people I know had him in the, in, in the first round two, yeah. maybe not you or I, but, you know, I thought that was phenomenal value in round three for the Giants. Yeah, and, and you know what, Jalen Hyatt, you can poke holes in his game, and, and, you know, I think that's legitimate, doesn't have an extended route tree, didn't run as fast at the combine as many expected, especially for the vertical threat that we all saw him to be last year, Tennessee. But to get him in the third round, especially when the Giants are looking for a guy to stretch the field, uh, that was terrific value. Uh, I thought that DJ Turner, the Bengals taking him uh, late in, set in the second round, they need a corner. He's a slot corner. In my opinion, he's an underrated corner. He's also someone that they considered in round one. They get him in round two. And then the Eagles, who I'm sure we're talking about, taking Sidney Brown where they did. I thought was phenomenal of value. I mean, he's they needed a safety. He's not the tallest guy. He was a terrific player at Illinois. You and I were both there for three days of senior bowl practice. We saw what he was able to do, not just the toughness, but the cover skills, the ball skills, and the one-on-one -on -one drills. I thought that was a magnificent uh, pick by the Eagles. No, I'm with you, Tony. I'll throw out a couple more names, and we'll move on here. Um, and I'll, I'll go to day three here. I thought – you know, Kiwi Ringo at the top around four. And again, you could poke Coles in his games, but I think, you know, that athletic profile to get at the top around four, I think you sign up for that. Then you take a look at, at a Tommy, at a bar, who I can't believe he lasted to round four. Um, I would even understand round three to an extent, but for the Colts to get him to pick one ten, I thought was phenomenal value. And then I'm more of a fan of this guy than others, I think, but I thought 
Charlie Jones as a guy who can step in and eventually replace Tyler Boyd as the Bengals slot receiver, as they eventually will have to make tough decisions in terms of their payroll, given they're going to have to pay Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, maybe even uh, T. Higgins outside. I think Charlie Jones is a great slot complement that could eventually step in there for uh, Tyler Boyd. I thought the Colts made three great picks uh, on day three. Adebawari, who you talked about, and I reached out, why did he fall into the fourth round? And I was told, well, he's sort of a tweener. Is he defensive end? Is he defensive tackle? We saw him play both positions with incredible success during the senior bowl. So I thought they got great value there. Blake Freeman, who they got in the fourth round, and Darius Rush, who they got in the fifth round. Now, you know, these are guys with great upside, but they, you know, they took a, a project at quarterback with the fourth selection of the draft. So this may not have immediate returns for the Indianapolis Colts, as most fans like to see. But two or three years down the line, when Blake Freeman really starts to develop as a real good tackle, Darius Rush, who made the uh, conversion over from receiver, really starts to refine his game. Maybe Anthony Richardson and out of Bawari, they find a place for him. I think, you know, I, I thought the Colts killed it on day three. I thought the Falcons taking Cam Phillips, uh, Clark Phillips, I'm sorry, in the fourth round was a terrific selection. You know, we were wondering, were they going to take a cornerback with that eighth pick after making that trade for Jeffrey Akuda? Obviously, they didn't go cornerback early. They come back in the fourth round and get a guy who's an outstanding cover corner, can play in the slot. The only problem is he's five foot eight, but so what? And I thought Noah Sewell to the Bears in the fifth round was an exceptional pick. I mean, not the fastest guy in the world, but very instinctive, plays assignment football and a real tough linebacker. And I'll throw one other name out there. <clears throat> Pardon me, Tony. Uh, A.T. Perry getting all the way to pick 195 for the Saints. I thought that was tremendous value uh, to add to, to their wide receiver core. All right, now we're going to best and either strangest fits. We could take it any way you want. And my first one I'll throw to you, Tony, um, is a little bit of both. So maybe I'll save that one for the end. I'll throw a couple others at you that I really liked. Uh, love Keon White to the Patriots. It's yep. just your classic Patriot power end, right? They like big ends that can, you know, just muscle people with their length and power. Well, Keon White fits that to a T. I thought that was a great fit for what they like to do. Uh, Steelers, Keanu Benton, a two-way interior defensive lineman that's quick and powerful. I think he fits with the Pittsburgh Steeler type of mentality. Uh, you already mentioned Sidney Brown, so I won't spend much time on him. I thought Kendra Miller to the Saints, really nice compliment to Alvin Kamara, who might be suspended this year as well. I think he's going to be a valuable player for them. Uh, Tajay Spears, great change of pace back to Derrick Henry in Tennessee as a guy that can work out of the backfield and use speed and quickness. And then I thought Devonna Shane to Miami. You know, what does uh, their head coach want? They want fast running backs. So what do you do? You pick the fastest running back in the draft. I thought those were just really great fits. And then uh, you give yours, and then I'll kind of give my transition to 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 strangest fits. I'm going to go back to the Patriots. I thought Christian Christian Gonzalez trading down, and Christian Gonzalez still being there. I, I yeah. think Belichick works wonders with set players in the secondary, especially cornerbacks. And I think this will be the next one because he is such. He was the number one cornerback on my board. He falls into the middle of round one, and, and Belichick and the Patriots swipe him up. If there's anyone that that you want teaching a guy that that's talented DB technique, is Bill Belichick and his staff perfect fit? I think uh, Sam Laporta to the Detroit Lions. Love they it. Needed a tight end. We thought maybe they would take a tight end at 18. They get a guy in the second round who some people thought 
you know, was a potential late first round choice, but uh, was selected before Michael Mayer, if you remember. And the fact is this, Laporte has been a real good tight end at Iowa for three years. He's not a one-year wonder. I think Dan Campbell, you know, he, he's absolutely going to love uh, Laporta with his playing style, an intense player, guy who's a solid blocker and can get down the field as a pass catcher. I also like Cody Mock to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the reason is this, you look at Tampa Bay, they have had incredible success developing small school offensive linemen. You go, you go through their history uh, and they just do a great job with these small school offensive linemen. Now you bring in Mock, maybe a tackle, could play guard, Maybe he's your uh, center of the future. They've got a bunch of you know needs on that offensive line. Obviously, Mark's not going to play all of them at once, but he's a versatile guy. And again, I go back to the history of that organization and the success that they have had with those small school offensive linemen. I thought that was a great fit. All right, now I'm going to do my transition because when the Packers drafted Luke Musgrave, I'm like, oh, great fit. Athletic tight end, give your quarterback – uh, a weapon in the middle of the field. He can run, he can catch. I'm like, great fit. And then, like, a round later, they drafted Tucker Craft, too? And I'm like, huh. I know maybe you run a lot of 12 personnel, but then they also drafted Jaden Reed, a wide receiver, and they have Christian Watson and Romeo Dub. So all those young guys can't all play, Tony. <laughs> like, they just can't all be on the field at the same time. So while I love the Musgrave pick when it happened, after they made their other moves with the Packers, I'm like, well, who's the odd man out in their young receiving core? So I thought that was a little bit weird. Uh, I do not understand at all uh, the decision for Denver to draft Marvin Mims. You know, you look at that depth chart of wide receiver. They've been trying to trade one of these guys. They have Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick coming off an injury, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Marcus Calloway. Then you add Marvin Mims on top of that. I'm not sure how he's going to get on the field for Sean Payne. I understand it's a, it's a new coach and all that stuff. I just thought... That was a little bit of a weird fit. And then the last team I'll go for, and look, this is a, it's a classic Seahawk move. Yeah, and I get that, and I shouldn't have been surprised. But Kenneth Walker III is awesome. He's a really good player. And they drafted him last year in the second round. And he can play all three downs. So what do they do this year? They draft a guy that's pretty darn good in the second round that can play all three downs in Zach Charbonnet. I know their styles are a little bit different, but huh? Why would you do that? I listen, that was my number one, uh, you know, questionable pick, questionable fit. I love Zach Charbonnet. No, me too. So He's a good player. Last night, you know, it, it's not even a complimentary back. I mean, the same type of running backs, you know, you could talk about a rotational system and that's fine, you know, because you, you, they're going to last longer. But, you know, I didn't understand it. And I love Charbonnet. They're, they're, they're basically sim similar types of uh, ball carriers, although Charbonnet is a much better pass catcher in the backfield. I thought that the Miami Dolphins taking Cam Smith with what was their first pick in the second round with all the moves that they have made and the fact that Cam Smith is a high maintenance type of guy. To me, that just, just didn't seem it seemed kind of strange to bring a guy like that in with Jalen Samuels there after, after the trade for him. And, you know, you, you basically have a loaded uh, a loaded group of cornerbacks. And here's uh, Cam Smith, who needs a lot of development on his game. I thought that uh, pick especially with their needs, a tight end uh, would have been better suited elsewhere for Miami. All right, now let's go to guys that were uh, surprise fallers, that we were kind of surprised uh, they lasted as long as they did in this draft. And, Tony, I'm, I'm going to go to round three here, and a couple guys really stick out 
uh, like sore thumbs to me when I take a look at what happened here in round number three. And this is a guy that I like probably more than other people, so I'll take a hit on probably being too high in the guy. But the Colts getting, and I'm going to mention the Colts again later with one of my favorite classes, getting Josh Downs at pick 79. I didn't see that much distance between him and Zay Flowers, to be honest with you. Flowers had more down-the-field capability, I thought, to get over the top, but I thought Downs was excellent. I mean, I don't think you could get better value than that at pick 79 in round number three. Um, I thought Drew Sanders dropping to the third round for the Broncos as a combo kind of linebacker pass rusher was a really, really good value. You mentioned Christian Gonzalez. I think that was a, a good point. Osiris Torrance, I thought, dropped a little bit into the second round. We talked about Dewan Jones. I thought his tape was excellent, but his post-draft process was not. He dropped all the way to what, round four, I think. Right, Tony? So that was a guy that I thought dropped a little bit further than his tape probably deserved. And then, you know, A.T. Perry, who I mentioned earlier, going all the way to pick 195. And then Luke Whippler, I thought, lasted way too long, too. I thought he should have been an earlier pick. And I don't think he got picked until round five. So those are the guys to me that I was kind of surprised lasted as long as they did. Actually, Whipple came off around six, I believe. Yeah, even crazier. Yeah, if you're going to take the hit on Josh Downs, I should get beat up for Luke Whipple because I mean I sang his praises. Now, why did he fall? I asked people, and they said, "Well, number one, he's got short arms. His arms were like 31 and a half inches. Number two, he's undersized. But the big thing is, teams solely see him as a center, not a center guard combo, uh, and that really hurt him. The other guys who I was concerned that I was surprised." Uh, Owen Popo fell into the fifth round. Uh, a speedy uh, ran four three nine at the combine. A guy who was a great pursuit linebacker goes sideline to sideline. I understand he's a little bit small. I understand he gets caught up in the traffic, but still, I, I mean, someone who gets from point A to point B in a flash and can play special teams. I was surprised that Henry Toto went as early as he did. I mean, coming into the season, Toto was. Uh, Rated as a potential top 45 pick by scouts. He didn't have a bad year. I know he didn't test off the charts, but I thought he was worth a day two selection. And, and you know, as we tape this, Eli Ricks is yet to be selected in the draft. And there were a lot of people, not me, who thought that Eli Ricks was a potential first round choice. I had him as a third rounder, but the fact is this. He's got a very limited body of work. I think he started, what, 24 games in the past three years between Alabama and LSU. Pro day, he ran a 4.55 and a 4.65. You know, it's turning out to be a uh, a very bad choice to enter the draft, Eli Ricks, which I said at the time, I thought he should have gone back. I think we also to, also got to talk a little bit about Kayshawn Booty. I mean, Booty, we knew had the potential to fall, and Booty did did exactly that. He fell much uh, much deeper than anybody thought in the draft. 100% with you, Tony. Now, surprise riser is that I think maybe a little bit too rich based yeah. on their 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 talent. Again, this is not a knock of the players, just as a kind of surprise as to where they went. Um, the Saints, Isaiah Foskey at 40th overall. I know he's a Saints type of player. He's a bigger edge player. You know, he just didn't have enough juice to me to be selected at 40 ahead of a guy like B.J. Ojolari, um, ahead of a guy like Keon White ahead of a guy like Keanu Benton. I mean, I, I see that, and I just don't quite understand it. So he went a little early for my taste. I was surprised that Byron Young, Alabama, went before Byron Young, Tennessee. I thought those two guys would have been reversed. I thought that was a funny play right there. And then the other guy, and again, who I think would have been a, a good developmental player, picked a little bit later, 
But I was surprised that Juice Scruggs went as early as he did to Houston at, at, at 62 overall at the end of the second round. I thought he was more of a four. Like I thought Whipler was going to go before him in the draft, and Scruggs went four rounds before Whipler did. So that one caught me by surprise a little bit too. See, the thing with Scruggs is he is, can play guard or center. So that yeah. was the appeal with Scruggs, played well at the Shrine game, was actually a very good player at uh, – at Penn State, I thought maybe late third, fourth. I thought the second was a little bit early, but I had reported uh, before day two that he was moving up draft boards. You know, I'm going to go with some of the later round guys. Kobe Turner of Wake Forest, who I thought was maybe a, maybe a, you know, a sixth, seventh round choice. He goes in the third round. Roderick Martin of uh, Western Kentucky, who I didn't even have as a draftable prospect. He ends up as a third-round pick to the, to the uh, Detroit Lions. I mean, he's a zero-technique, nose-tackle type of guy with some athleticism. Doesn't have, uh, does, just, just never jumped off the uh, the film to me. Had his moments, but, you know, was w- w- once in a blue moon. And then Sean Clifford of Penn State going in the fifth round to the Packers. You, you may have talked about the Packers before. I mean, you know, Clifford, good story, tough quarterback, a great career at Penn State. I just don't think he projects all that well. I didn't have a draftable grade on him. The Packers take him in the fifth round. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I thought I was surprised by that as well. All right, Tony, now let's go to the guys we think, based on their talent and skill set and where they wind up, guys that we think can make an immediate impact on their team. So I'll start here. We can kind of go back and forth here one at a time if you want. And I don't see how you don't start with Jalen Carter. Um, who I think just goes to a perfect spot for him. Uh, he obviously, in a, both our opinion, is the most talented player in this draft class. And he goes to a place in Philadelphia where he's got a bunch of Georgia Bulldogs there to help him along. They do have Nolan Smith. They have Nicobe Dean there from last year. They have Jordan Davis there from last year. But also, like Fletcher Cox is not going to let him get away with loafing. Brandon Graham is not going to let him get away with loafing. This is a championship team with championship habits. And I don't think you can find a better fit for Jalen Carter. And whatever role they put him in, Tony, he's going to come in right away. And he is going to be a disruptive force in the middle of that Eagles defensive line with all that talent around him. That is an immediate day one impact, no doubt about it. I'm going to go start off with Paris Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals by way of Ohio State. I mean, here's a guy who made a group, made the seamless transition from guard to left tackle basically improved seemingly as as the weeks went on last season, had a good combine, was phenomenal during his pro day, has got a tremendous amount of upside. I think they're going to start him quickly because they need a left tackle. you got to protect Kyler Murray. Uh, I just like the trajectory of his game, and he's got great size. He's got great athleticism. He's, there are some things that he's got to just smooth out. He's got to really uh, be more confident in his base and use his base better in pass protection. But he's athletic. He's strong. He can he can hold the point on the line of scrimmage. He can get on the second level. And obviously, there's a desperate need there at left tackle for uh, the Arizona Cardinals, which is why they traded down and then they traded back up to get Paris Johnson. All right, my next guy is going to be Dalton Kincaid, Tony, with the Buffalo Bills. And I understand, you know, not the most experience in college. I get that, but to get into that offense where you have Stephon Diggs there. You have Josh Allen there. You have a good offensive staff that that knows how to put an offense together. Uh, I think he's going to step in. You know, he'll play some tight end there. But remember, Dawson Knox is there as a good inline tight end. Dalton Kincaid might have the TE next to his name, 
but he is going to be a move tight end for them that is going to be as much of a receiver as he is a tight end, in my opinion, at least early on in his career until he learns the blocking part of the game. And he has the perhaps the best natural receiver skills in this draft that includes the wide receivers. I think he's going to step in as a receiver. Again, I think the other tight end stuff will come along a little bit more slowly. But as a receiver, Dalton Kincaid is going to come in and really help that Bills offense in the middle of the field right away. I'm going to go with Jack Campbell. I know he was drafted much earlier than anybody thought. There were some late first-round grades on him. And there were some who liked Drew Sanders better. I always had Campbell rated number one in that clump of linebackers. Campbell, Sanders, Trent Simpson. Campbell's always been uh, always been my number one guy. He's smart, relatively athletic. He's got a great frame, moves around the field. I love his instincts. I love his toughness. You know, he fires up the field uh, on the blitz when he has to. He remains disciplined with his cover assignments. He gets out in space to make plays. Uh, I, I just like his overall game and what they're in need at linebacker and the fact that they took him with the 18th pick, they're going to have to justify taking him that early. I think he's going to see the field early, and, and I like Jack Campbell. I just like his overall game. I'm not, he doesn't have, I don't know if he's got great upside, but he's very polished and he's very NFL ready. Yeah, I'm going to go to Jackson Smith and Jigba. You talk about a polished route runner. Hey. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba's it, and he's going to go to Seattle, Tony, where you're already paying attention to DK Metcalf. You're already paying attention to Tyler Lockett. You're already paying attention to both their three-down running backs that somehow they'll figure out a way to use both of them at the same time. You have two rookie offensive tackles there. Geno Smith had a nice little second year. I think he's going to step in there as part of that three-headed monster at wide receiver, and he's going to be pretty darn good early, not having to be that number one target in the offense. I think he complements Lockett and Metcalf extremely well. Oh, you took you stole mine because I was going to go with Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm going to go back to the well, what I talked about earlier. I'm going to go John Michael Schmitz. I mean, the Giants need a center. He John Michael Schmitz is very polished. He's NFL ready. If he's not starting, you know, the week after Labor Day, week one, I think John Michael Schmitz will be starting at least by the beginning of October. Uh, he's a tough guy. He's an instinctive guy. He fits the giant mold. They, they, you know, and throughout their history, they've liked those Big Ten offensive linemen. John Michael Schmitz has got, uh, I was, I, you know, I, I talked about how they were doing somersaults in the war room. I was actually quite happy because I did three mock drafts this year, and I had them taking John Michael Schmitz in the first round uh, of all those three uh, mock drafts. Uh, maybe I was off by a round, but I knew they liked the player. I think he's going to have an immediate impact, and they're going to need him to. I, I mean, yeah. he just gave all that money to Daniel Jones. Maybe they, were, you know, we'll see what happens with Saquon Barkley. They, that offense has got to take the next step, and it's going to be reliant on the center position. Yeah, final one for me, Tony. I'm going to go with one of your guys, uh, Mozzie Smith, um, who I think will step in. And even though he's not there yet as a pass rusher, and much like with Campbell, I thought he got picked a little bit earlier than maybe he should have by the Cowboys. But they need a run stopper in the middle of that defensive line. And that's one thing you know with his strength and size that he's going to be able to step in there right away and help with their run defense. So that'll be the last guy I throw out there that I think in that specific role, and again, you can talk about value at that spot for a player of that caliber and all that stuff. I get that argument, and I actually support a lot of them, but for what they want him to do, stop the run, I think he's going to step in right away and uh, be a, un, you know one of those immovable objects in the middle of that Cowboys defense. I'm going to go back to a guy that you mentioned was a, a real good fit. I'm going to say Keon White. Uh, of the uh, New England Patriots because I think he's a good fit for the system. He's very athletic. I mean, Keon White can go one of two ways. 
He hasn't played. He didn't play a lot of football up until last season. And then he looked explosive. And then he had a good senior ball. Or you know he's going to revert back to a guy that you know was spotty or, or, or was injured. I'm going to go with the former because I, I like I like the athlete. I like the player. He's got good size. He's got growth potential. He's got a lot of upside. And again, I think he's a terrific fit for that system. And as you mentioned, you know that's what that's what the Patriots use, and that's the type of lineman the Patriots like. I think Keon White's going to be a beneficiary of it. All right, let's go to quarterback Fitz Tony. Uh, and I think Hendon Hooker to the Lions is wonderful. You know, Jared Goff's got two years left on his contract. You know, Hooker, I think he's a good athlete, but he's also a pocket passer. So he can sit there, heal the ACL, learn the system. You know, they'll see him for two years by the time they need to make a decision on Goff. So, and then getting him in the third round on top of that, I I, I never, you know, I never thought he was a first round player. Other people had him mocked up there and they thought he was. Um, but to me, I think for where the Lions are as a franchise, he's the perfect developmental quarterback behind Goff in terms of, you know, uh, developmental structure in terms of the years it'll take in the timeline. I think Hooker to Detroit is just an excellent fit. And if they put him on the non-football injury list this year, they're basically going to have him for five years. So uh, I would agree with you. He was one of, one of the uh, three that I picked. I like Aiden O'Connell to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, O'Connell's a guy, he's mature, he's very smart, he's a good game manager, he's he's got a decent arm, and he's going to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo for at least a year. They can get out of the Garoppolo's contract after a year. They believe in Aiden, o Aiden O'Connell. People have told me throughout the process that they believe that Aiden O'Connell could turn out to be one of the best, if not be one of the better, if not best quarterbacks uh, from this year's draft. And the fact that, he, like Hendon Hooker, he's not going to have to play for a year. And he was taken, what, in the uh, fourth round, late in the fourth round? You're not going to expect much from him, but he's got a high upside. He's, you know, he's what you want in a quarterback. He's a very mature, he's a leader, and he's got good physical skills. You talked about Charlie Jones before. You know, Charlie Jones benefited from Aiden O'Connell throwing the ball downfield to him. All right, do you want to give you your second quarterback fit before we move on to the next one? Uh, I mean, this was easy. It would be Bryce Young. I, I mean, it was kind of maybe it was a lazy one, but uh, yeah, if, it, if, if it fits, it fits. Frank Reich there. You know, Frank Reich is going to want to do a lot of different things on the offense. And as we talked about, you know, throughout the process in the lead up to the draft, Bryce Young was being characterized as a genius. The intellect that we saw on the football field, the clairvoyance that we saw on the football field was translate was uh, transferred over during the, those one-on-one -on -one meetings. I think Frank Reich is going to be able to do a lot of things with Bryce Young. The one thing that the Carolina Panthers are going to have to do is protect them because of the size. No question. All right. Favorite trades. I'll go really fast here, Tony, because I already mentioned both of them. I thought the Hyatt trade-up for the Giants in round three, it cost him a fourth-round pick, but I think it was worth the, the bang for the buck there. And then I thought the Eagles trading up for Ringo uh, was also a a really good pick there. And, you know, I also like the Lions and the way they traded down to 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 accumulate more draft capital. Um, they clearly did not see a player there they liked after Weatherspoon went off the board at six. I like the extra picks they acquired later on in the draft. I thought that was effective. I'm surprised they didn't pick a cornerback a little bit earlier in the draft, to be honest with you, but that's okay. Um, I thought I liked the, just the fact that the Lions moved back in that spot and picked up those extra picks. I thought that was a good deal. And really, the only uh, the only trade that I, po I had was the Arizona Cardinal trade because 
They traded down to uh, what was it, uh, twelve or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, they traded down, right? Traded down to twelve to Houston, and they get all those draft picks, and then they move back up to get the left tackle. So I've always been a left tackle guy. I thought that was a terrific trade. They got the left tackle of the future, and even though they gave away some capital to move back up to get to number six, they still came away winners, and they still came away with more picks. All right, now let's go through our favorite classes, Tony. We can. We can try to go through these relatively quickly because we'll do our uh, full class breakdown for each team coming your way here on Tuesday on our usual draft season day on our draft season feed. But as much as it pains me with all this blue, white, and red around me here for the Giants, how do you not love what the Eagles did in this draft? My goodness gracious. Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Sidney Brown, Keely Ringo, Tyler Steen, and even Tanner McKee is a developmental quarterback. You know, I thought Howie Roseman knocked this out of the park. I thought he had a great draft. And they just keep stocking up the front and back end of their defense and offensive line. And, boy, I, I thought the Eagles, it was just the rich getting richer with the way their draft went. For the second year in a row. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny because if you remember when Chip Kelly went to the Eagles, every, everybody was saying, well, is this going to be Oregon East? Is he going to draft all these guys from Oregon? And it's almost like the past couple of years, especially this year, you wonder if Howard Roseman's got a, a summer house in Athens, Georgia. <laughs> because he went to the well, Georgia, time and time again, as he did last year with the first pick with, with Jordan Davis. So, uh, yeah, I, I would agree with you. You know, I thought the Cleveland Browns, despite the fact that they didn't start picking until the first pick wasn't until the 74th selection in the third round, I thought they did an outstanding job. Cedric Tillman, who I mentioned earlier, Siaka Ika in the third round, Dewan Jones in the fourth round, Isaiah McGuire in the fourth round, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson in the fifth round, Luke Whipler in the sixth round. I, yeah. I mean, these are all guys who, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to be a uh, developmental guy, especially with, with Watson there and the money they're paying him. They also got Cameron Mitchell in the fifth round. All these guys are going to make the roster. I think Tillman's going to play a lot. Ica's going to play a lot. Dewan Jones, if he gets his act together, can be a starting right tackle there. Isaiah McGuire, they need another edge rusher on the other side from Miles Garrett. Luke Whippler, I mean, he gets a little bit stronger. I, I thought that they didn't have a first-round pick, which everybody focuses on. They have a second-round pick. They, 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 their draft basically started in the third round. I thought the Browns did a phenomenal job. Yeah, I'm staying in Ohio, Tony. I love the Bengals draft. They got Miles Murphy in pick 28, good value. DJ Turner, pick 29, 60 overall in round two. Excellent value. Jordan Battle, solid safety in round three. I talked about, I love the Charlie Jones pick in round four. He's one of my guys. I've talked about him all year. Chase Brown, the running back of Illinois, another one of my guys in round five. I think he could be a guy. He'll be a good backup for Joe Mixon, maybe even an eventual replacement. Andre Yeshivis from Princeton, the wide receiver. Good developmental wideout. I thought that was a nice pick. I thought the Bengals had a really, really nice weekend. The only thing about the Bengals is, I and they may still do it, I wish they had come away with a tight end that they need in a tight end rich draft. That, that yeah, was and it. by the way, Tony, also an offensive tackle. I thought they could have used the tackle too. So I agree. I think those are two spots where they could have drafted someone, but I think the talent they got was phenomenal. I, I thought that the Chicago Bears did exceptionally well. I, I mean, they make that trade with Philadelphia, they get an extra pick, and then they take Darnell Wright. They're, an, they're a tackle-needy team. you got to protect Justin Fields. And granted, Darnell Wright's a right tackle, not a left tackle. 
but he still improves the offensive line. I thought Gervin Dexter in uh, late in round two was a real good pick. I love his upside. Tyreek Stevenson, they needed a cornerback. Again, a guy that's got great upside. Zach Pickens in round three, I thought was that's exactly where I wanted him to go. And I think Zach Pickens is incredibly underrated. Roshan Johnson is a terrific Rebound back as a pass catcher, ball carrier, and blocker. Tyler Scott in the uh, in the fourth round. That's the field stretcher. I mentioned Noah Sewell before. Terrell Smith is a developmental cornerback, uh, a guy who's really just scratching the surface in the fifth round. I thought the Bears did a phenomenal job. Yeah, the Bears are the fourth team on my list, Tony. So here's my last one. I think you're a thousand percent right about everything you said there with the Bears. I like what the Colts did, and yeah. look, Anthony Richardson. Take it or leave it. Whatever you think about the guy, that's not even why I love the Colts draft is because everything they did after Anthony Richardson, right? Uh, Julius Brents is a really talented cornerback. Maybe pick 44 is a little bit rich, but the tools are certainly there for a team that's not necessarily competing for a Super Bowl this year. Get a guy you think is a high upside. I talked about Josh Downs already. I think he's a second-round player, and he fits in. You know, they have two big receivers in Alex Pierce and Pittman Jr., well, Downs is your perfect slot guy to, to to play with those two. So I love Downs there. They just lost Paris Campbell. He'll slide right into that spot. You mentioned Break Freeland as a, as a long-term, really athletic offensive tackle that needs to get uh, stronger. I already mentioned at a Tamiwa, at a Barre, at a Northwestern, fourth-round pick. I think he's going to be at three technique right next to uh, DeForest Buckner in the middle of that defense. He's going to be great. You mentioned Darius Rush who I think has all the skills you want as, as a cover corner. They got him in round five. He was a third-round player for me. Will Mallory's a developmental tight end they got in round five. I think Evan Hole's a good all-around running back as a day three pick. And then some people really like Jalen Jones, the corner out of Texas A&M. So I thought the Colts had a really nice weekend for a team that needed a lot of players. Their volume and quality, I think, was very, very strong. They were the fourth team on my list of favorites. <laughs> there and we the go is everyone's going to grade this draft off of Anthony Richardson. And I tweeted about this, but, you know, you mentioned the fourth-round picks. You mentioned Darius Rush. You can see that they're building the seeds for a team two or three years down the road. You hope right, They hope Richardson pans out. But if Richardson, you know, whatever happens with him, they got a lot of good other good players. And I got to mention my man Titus Leo out of Wagner yeah. on Staten Island, baby. Yeah. I call I call NEC games sometimes. Titus Leo... He is a he's a little bit of a wild card there. He's got all the measurables you want. Yeah. Very explosive defender. I mean, he's got to learn to play in space. But when you watch him play, he's a relentless pass rusher, good athlete, and a guy with a nonstop motor. All right, our final category here, Tony. And I hate to call it least favorite classes because you know we all we hope all these players succeed in these teams draft well. Um, so I I'm gonna go to the Saints first. You know, I just was not a, and I've never been a huge fan of how the Saints draft and they continue to have success. So, you know, they're a lot smarter than me and they, and they know what they're doing, uh, you know, and so my criticism probably, you know, isn't fair. I just think for a team that lacks juice in a lot of ways where, you know, who are the game changers on that roster where you go into a game against the Saints and you're like, oh, you know, I'm really scared of that guy. Uh, what am I going to do to stop him? I don't, think they have those guys. You know, Brian Brzee, I know he's a good player. I think he's a year or two away from being a complete defensive tackle. He does some pass rush skills now. I mentioned Foskey, who I thought was a little bit of a of, of a of a stretch. I think Kendry Miller's a good fit with Kamara, 
But again, he's he's not like a scary back. Saldaveri, I think, is a good, you know, offensive lineman that'll be in the league for a while. Jake Hayner is a long-term quarterback. And then A.T. Perry, I thought, was a good reach pick. But, you know, I would have liked to see the Saints step out of this draft with guys in the first or second round. I'm like, all right, this brings some juice to the Saints. You know, the NFC South is really winnable, Tony. I think that's the division that anyone could win right now. If you look at the talent throughout that with, with the four teams in the NFC South, and I just think the Saints could have done a little bit more to help them win that division this year. I just don't see enough firepower on that team, and I don't think they helped themselves in that regard this in this draft. And that's the Saints, right? Every every time you think they're going to take a receiver, maybe take a quarterback, they take Cesar Ruiz, the center out of Michigan, who now plays guard. And this year they take you know Nick Sal uh, Salvieri, you know a good player, but does he really fit the uh, fit in fit a need? I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. You kind of touched on them before. You know, they take Lucas Van Ness. Lucas Van Ness kind of reminds me of the Rashawn Gary pick a couple of years ago where, you know, they take a solid player, but what are they going to do with him now? And very I, similar, very similar. You know, it's – it's he's they didn't have a screaming need as a pass rusher, and then they moved – same thing with Gary, and then they moved him to a middle linebacker. They later on, they took Colby Wooden in the fourth round. Colby Wooden is a guy who – you know, as a freshman, showed me a lot of ability at Auburn, but his game kind of leveled out. He never just stepped it up. You mentioned the situation, uh, you know, at tight end where they go, they take tight ends basically back to back. You know, they got Josiah DeGuire there, who's, you know, I'm not a big fan of him, but they took them in the third round a couple of years ago. Jaden Reed, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Is Was it worth taking Lucas Van Ness over Jackson Smith Najigba? On my board, no. We'll have to see what, what the returns are in a couple of years. All right. The other team I'll bring up, and it's funny, because I actually like a lot of the players they picked. It's more I want to discuss what their draft strategy was, Tony. And that's the Detroit Lions. So yeah. I like Jameer Gibbs, but 12th. I like Jack Campbell, 18th. Yeah. You know, I love Sam Laporta. You know, he was my number three tight end. A 34 is fine. And then, you know, branch it. I think Branch of 45 is a good, but then you mentioned Broderick Martin in the round three. Eh. You know, Colby Sorts thought of William and Mary in round five. Eh. So I, I just thought, you know, it's funny. This was only, if it felt like this was like the Dan Campbell, you know, on steroids draft, not literally, but it was like, all right, Dan Campbell, what are we going to do? Running backs, linebackers, tight ends. Let's go and punch somebody in the mouth. And, you know, I really think they needed a corner. And, they got Brian Branch, but he's not an outside corner. He's a safety or a slot guy. So I actually like the players. So I'm not killing the draft class, but I think the players are really good. But they didn't draft guys at premium positions. Safety, tight end, linebacker, running back, right? Not one of those four is a premium position. And I just feel like maybe they could have made a little bit more out of the picks that they had. You know, it's funny because I thought about this. And at the Combine, I was introduced to their capologist. And he was, they were all excited because they had five picks within the first 83. And then they made that trade after Devon, Devin Weatherspoon was off the ball to get more picks. And they may or may not ever admit this, but I, I think it was, you know what? We're just going to take the players we want when we're called to the clock. We don't care where they're valued on the board because these, these are going to be the players that we that they're, they're going to help us. And we have all these picks, so we're going to have to use them. So we don't care about taking Jameer Gibbs at 13. We don't care about taking Jack Campbell at uh, 18. We don't care about taking Broderick Martin 
in the third round. We got these picks. We got to use them. We're going to take the players. That's my own opinion. I was not impressed at all with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, yeah, everybody, Jay Flowers, great, great, great. The Baltimore Ravens' history of taking receivers in the first round has been horrendous, horrendous. I mean, we can go Rashard Perryman, on Hollywood Brown. They, they never, they, they seem, the way the Green Bay Packers seem allergic to selecting a receiver in the first round, it's almost like the Baltimore Ravens are addicted to taking <laughs> a receiver in the first round. And it, it never pans out for them. And when you are constantly spending early draft capital on the same position and you don't hit, it could eventually, you know, catch up to you because, you know, you, you look back and say, oh, we could have had this player, we could have had that player. So Zay Flowers, yeah, I, I mean, he's a terrific uh, receiver. The Giants probably would have selected him if he was available to them. And he, he just gave Lamar Jackson that huge contract. You want to give him more weapons. But I just look at the history, and the history has not been good. Trenton Simpson, you know, the thing about uh, Ravens is they usually want smart, instinctive linebackers as well as athletic guys. And Simpson's not an instinctive guy. That's why he fell. Uh, and Tavis Robinson in the fourth round, Tavis Robinson to me is a dog. I mean, Tavis Robinson has all the ability in the world, yet he never produces. Uh, I mean, if somebody can light a fire under Tavis Robinson in Baltimore, you know, they may, you know, they, they may have something there, but the guys just never, uh, never showed anything to me. Uh, you know, they took two guys in the later rounds, uh, the, the, the offensive tackle from Oregon, who I like a lot, but I think could have been a free agent and he's not very athletic. And then they took Andrew Voorhees of USC, who, again, you know, Andrew Voorhees, if you remember, hurt his knee during uh, position drills at the combine. He's not going to be playing uh, next year. So maybe they're looking to the future for that. But, you know, the, the Ravens should be in a win-now mode. And with Zay Flowers, maybe. I, I just don't know. And by the way, we were doing this right as the draft winds down, folks, so we can have it up as soon as it's over. But I'll just throw one other, and I'm done with my least favorite classes, Tony. You can throw one more in if you want. You talk about value. The Jets getting Zach Koontz in round seven. You watch his tape, Tony, and look, he's got a lot to learn. He's raw. But his athleticism shows up on tape. To get him in round seven, that to me is an absolute steal. Just just put I, – I, and I also love the Vikings getting Dwayne McBride, UAB running back in round seven. I thought both those picks were really, really good value late. And both of those guys fell because of injuries. That's why both of those guys fell. Koontz was not uh, – McBride had a recent injury. Koontz was injured during the season and missed half the season. Koontz came into the season highly graded by scouts, was okay during the season, was was – had his moments at Shrine Bowl practice, then knocked it out of the park uh, during uh, the combine. So you know that upside is there. He's just got to stay healthy and really become a complete player at the position. All right, Tony, anything to add before we say goodbye? That's it. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the only thing that I'll add is, you know, we talk about this favorites, not favorites, who did well. It's all on paper. You know, we really won't know until two or three years down the road. I know people want to know, two or three weeks into the 2023 season, but you got to give it time. You got to see what happens. Wow. You're giving people to the regular season before they start making opinions. First preseason hall of fame game, Tony, Oh, uh, decisions will be made very early and unfairly to all these young men 
who are going to try to carve out NFL careers for themselves. Good stuff, Tone. Uh, guys, we'll be back on Tuesday with our final wrap-up of the draft. We'll go through team by team. We probably won't spend as much time on some of the teams we really talked a lot about today because we did it already. And uh, then we'll have our look at the 2024 coming your way um, a week from Monday right here on, a week from Tuesday rather on draft season. For Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmelk. Thank you so much for being with us on this episode. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.